think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 283 of Low Limit Football on this 25th of May, 2020. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we have breaking injury news coming out of Italy and Spain with two major players seeing injuries as they return to the pitch. We get a return date for Spain that we'll discuss quickly, and Der Klassiker is right on the horizon. We're going to talk about all of that and more with our special guest, Martino Puccio, from Sports Grid and the State of Play podcast will be joining us in just a little bit. Let me get my man, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, sir? Enjoying your holiday? Very well, Joe. I'm very uh, happy to be back on. Uh, yeah, it's it's chill, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as you know, Joe, uh, our state is technically reopened now. Mm -hmm. Not officially, but at least to a certain extent. So perhaps we're getting back into the swing of things, but... Uh, can't be too sure about all this. I, you know, I discussed with one of my coworkers, and, and he was kind of griping a little bit that you know we were last to open. Uh, and and again, we're talking about COVID nineteen. We're talking about states opening, and Connecticut was the last one where Rob and I are both located. And uh, he said, "Oh, you know, we're we're fiftieth. This stinks. I can't believe they waited so long." And I said <laughs> to him, "I'm I would rather be fiftieth. This is a race I want to lose because exactly. if if you're first everyone's coming to your state. If you're first to start giving out haircuts, everyone's coming. If you're first to open bars and restaurants, they're all coming, and they're going to bring that infection with them because they don't care, or they're asymptomatic. So um, I want to be last because I don't want people to want to come here. Okay? that's That was just yep. my, my, my view of it, and uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully, again, you know, we're, we're one day closer to – Getting through this, Rob, every day, and uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully this, you know, we can see minimal loss of life. And uh, well, we are we are seeing a lot of hospitalizations and deaths in the state fall for yeah. like quite some time now. Yeah, and hopefully we just we continue that trend. We we, we need mm -hmm. to, and 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 some positive news would be would be super helpful. So we, we we've got a great show, man, coming up today. So let's um let's start quickly, uh, and let me give you this week's trivia. Um, again, it's okay. another Who Am I. Um, and I was intrigued the second 
uh, clue that I'm going to give you is what really intrigued me about this person. Okay. So okay. Uh, I'm going to start out with the first clue. This former player and coach, however, he's not retired. So he's still alive. He's just currently unemployed. Played for four teams from 1964 to 1980 and coached eight teams, two of which were national teams and one club which he coached three different times. Okay. One more time. Just one more time. This former player and coach who is not retired but still alive played for four teams from 1964 to 1980, coached eight teams, two of which were national teams, and one club he coached three times. So he's been a club and a national team coach. One of the clubs he's coached, he coached three over three different occasions. Okay. All right. Okay. So let's talk about uh, opening thoughts. And opening thoughts is nothing more than uh, than the Der Classiker that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, very, very excited for it. Uh, we look back on the last two weeks leading up to this, Rob. And I, I think you might, you might agree that Dortmund has performed better over Bayern Munich's performances, although they've both won their matches. Dortmund uh, has not conceded a goal yet. Uh, they winning 4-0 in the Riviera Derby two weeks ago, and then on the weekend winning 2-0 against Wolfsburg. Certainly a big challenge with a team that is in Champions League and Europa League positions. Um, for Bayern Munich, it's been a little bit of a bumpier ride. They had a difficult time with a, with a weaker Union Berlin side, uh, ultimately defeating them 2-0. And then uh, playing an Eintracht Frankfurt team that has lost, you know, they really can't seem to get it going straight. But beating them 5-2 on the weekend, however, they were up 3-0, and then Eintracht comes back and scores two corner kick set-piece goals. To get back into the match, you and I thought the match was over, and the match was not. Now we go into this, to basically what is the biggest match of the season in league for both teams, as they're both separated by four points. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Dortmund, for me, is performing at a higher pre-break level than Bayern Munich is, although you can't doubt the quality on both sides. What are your thoughts leading into this particular match now? Well, it's going to be really an interesting case. And, you know, the big thing for both these two teams, you know, ever since the restart of the Bundesliga, was for them to not slip up. And I think, uh, obviously, they both performed uh to obviously not do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, I think what's very interesting is that, you know, you see Borussia Dortmund pick up what, six goals, but not conceding zero. And then you have Bayern Munich, who scored seven, but uh, conceded two off more off plays where they shouldn't lose goals, and given the efficiency that both teams have. So, yeah, this is really going to be a, a, a decider, even then, because even if Dortmund were to win this one, you know, there's still a point off. It's not exactly there. There could be the scenario where Bayern could win the entire, you know, can go the entire season winning off just one point. But it all takes that one little slip up. And I think if Bayern get that slip up, I'm not saying they will, but I'm just saying if they do get that slip up, that will be a big factor. Because now the pressure's on them. Pressure's not on Dortmund because, you know, I, I think they could still continue to win, and obviously they'll go off that confidence of being Bayern Munich. But the confidence is going to come to Bayern because, um, I mean, sorry, the pressure is going to be on Bayern because mm-hmm. I think if they do lose this game, I'm not, I don't know what the next, the next few games are. Uh, I, I will double check right now, but I, I know they have one big. Cl- okay, so they have, if you look at it, Joe, they have Leverkusen and they have Mönchengladbach back to back, two very good sides who have been performing uh, to go into those Champions League spots. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they play Leipzig as well. I'm not too sure. No, they don't. All right. So um, in any case, 
you know, to have that, to have three of your four games, three of your next four games against two against teams that are fighting, uh, be it a Bundesliga title or a Champions League spot, that could be a banana slip for for Bayern Munich. Whereas for Dortmund, you know, if they do get this win, um, I believe they have Leipzig as the second to last game, and that's it. And then the rest are more or less teams that are a bit below their their um, their style, their talent. So, in a way, the pressure's more on Bayern now. But knowing how efficient they've become, knowing how they've been able to dominate um, so early, uh, at least what we saw against Mainz, and you know, it did take a little bit of time against uh, Union Berlin. You know, we have two great styles of play, and you know, Flick and and Lucien Favre are obviously doing great things with these teams, so um, it it really will be an entertaining game, and I can't wait for it. I, I think it will be a, a perfect scenario and kind of unique as well. You know, mm-hmm. Tuesday afternoon, well, at least here it's afternoon. Uh, usually, these type of games are reserved for a weekend, but yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> it, it. Almost it, it feels like it's almost a Champions League game in a way because of the the time of day and whatnot, and also there's just so much on the line, and. Even though the game is going to be at Signal New Park, where obviously they haven't lost this season, but there won't be any crowds, um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of motivation is going to be on that team because they know that this game will have the the, the league decide within all within all the um, within all the country. Yeah, you know, you bring up some good points. You know, first and foremost, uh, you know, looking at Bayern's schedule, like you said, you've got Leverkusen and. Um, and you've got Mönchengladbach in, you know, two out of three weeks coming up after. So basically, Bayern after this match play Dusseldorf, which should be something they should win. Leverkusen on the road, which is going to be tough. Uh, Eintracht, which is again at home, which is somebody they should beat, and then Mönchengladbach at home, and you know, with those two teams looking for Champions League spots, competing with Leipzig as well, it's going to be difficult for them. But then even if you look even further. Freiburg is right on the cusp of Europa League and a very, very solid defensive team. So that that's going to be a challenge. And then they close with Wolfsburg, who's also challenging for those uh, for those European positions. So Bayern Munich have a very difficult road. And I think, like you said, the pressure is on Bayern in this one because if they slip, it is one point. And, and like you said, you go and look at the Dortmund schedule coming up. Uh, it's definitely weaker. They, their challenges happened already, you know, including playing Wolfsburg on the weekend. So they they've got a little bit of an easier road. I think you believe I believe you said that they have Leipzig coming up, um, you know, and I'm just going to the fixtures myself now with six matches to play after this match. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, like you said, they have uh, RB Leipzig second to last of the season, but then it's simpler matches. Hoffenheim, Mainz, Dusseldorf, uh, Hertha Berlin, who's can't get out of their way. Paderborn. It's, it's a very, very easy schedule from here to the finish line for Dortmund. So you, you would expect them to win those matches, especially given how they've returned to form much quicker than it seems anybody else has. So this, there is a ton on the line here. Now, granted, if, if there is a slip in, and uh, Dortmund managed a draw instead of beating Bayern Munich in this one, then obviously all bets are off. Bayern don't have to worry about dropping the points in, in a match here or a match there because they, they'll have that cushion. But a, a draw is a massive victory for Bayern Munich. I also I feel bad for Dortmund strictly because this the previous Der Klassiker uh, against Bayern Munich played in Munich was a packed stadium. I believe it was a 4-0 victory for Bayern over Dortmund at that time. And now you bring it to Signal Iduna Park, and we all talk about the yellow wall and the and the spirit and the and the um, atmosphere that you get out of Signal Iduna Park, and you don't get that. And I think we've mentioned that a couple of times already leading up into this 
preview. And I, and I think that's a massive loss for Dortmund in this one. However, it's, it, it is a sign of the times. Um, but I, I think the way Dortmund are playing right now, I don't think it is as big of an effect on them stepping up their game as it is it would be uh, as difficult to play in the environment for Bayern Munich. So I think this is an advantage for Bayern. But I do think ultimately, Robin, I'm going to give you a prediction real quick. I do think Dortmund win this match. Um, I do think coming up tomorrow, I, I think we see a 2-1, maybe a 3-2. I think they're going to be goals in this match. But I feel like Dortmund's going to win this match because of the way they've played over the past two weeks. They've shown how they can be dominant and break down teams with some quick passing and some intelligent off-the-ball movement. And they've also shown that they can beat teams on the counter. They can defend and then counter. Um, you, you posted uh, a story to me. Mats Hummels, who was taken off them um, out of the match over the weekend, is healthy for tomorrow. I thought that when they took him off, it was precautionary. So that's going to be a, a big, uh, a big deal for them. And it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how the the, uh, the Munich defense handles a big body like Erling Holland um, because they can't seem to defend that well, especially on the on the on the free uh, set on the set pieces. So a guy like Holland, who's been a great finisher and seems to be in the right place at the right time, um, will find his spots. And, and I, I do think he'll probably get one goal in this on the weekend, but we'll see how this plays out. What are your thoughts? How do you think it plays out? And do you want to add a prediction? Uh, yeah, I think um, because of the way that they've been playing, um, you know, keeping two clean sheets um, in the last two games, I think what we see from this side, and I feel like, we're we're not even seeing the best of it yet because as you said you know we haven't seen Jaden Sancho play a full 90 yet mm. um you know even though he is recovering from an injury that gives him a huge advantage we just saw the news here that Thiago a very important player um is out for the game tomorrow so that's just another uh, bad uh downgrade or not downgrade but I'm to say like a, a loss for them so yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you, Joe. I think we're going to see a Dortmund win. I think it's going to be a close one. I think if they do pick up a goal early um, and where they're trying to defend and you know try to hold that lead, but I don't think they want to do that because I think they want to secure the win as best as they can. Mm. So I think I think I will say I think Dortmund have the um, the best opportunity here that they could get to go and, for, and, t- and contend for that Bundesliga title. I'm going to say they're going to beat Bayern 2-1 as well. Yeah, it's... And, and, and just think about what that does for the other teams, for Leipzig and, and, and so on. That allows everybody back into the race. It's going to be, if the results hold as we predict, um, it's going to be a pretty magical finish in the Bundesliga for sure. So, uh, Rob, let's um, let's table the conversation under Classico again. That's, that's going to be one of our matches of the week coming up in just a little bit as we preview, we give you a few matches. I'm going to give you the second clue of who am I, okay? So the first clue that I gave you was, this former player and coach who is uh, he's not retired, played for four teams from 1964 to 1980. He coached eight teams, two of which were national teams and one club. He coached three times. Your second clue. You ready, sir? Yes. OK. Although he coached two national teams, he's never coached his own national team, although he played 32 matches for them and scored eight goals. So there's your second clue okay. as to who okay. am I. So. All right, so just uh, just before uh, we recorded this segment, we were able to catch up with Martino Puccio from State of Play podcast um, and discussed everything from MLS to La Liga to Zlatan Ibrahimovic's breaking news on his injury, um, Joao Felix. We had a great, great discussion, and uh, we'd like to give you that interview now. So without any further ado, the Martino Puccio interview. 
We welcome into the show now Martino Puccio from Sports Grid and the State of Play podcast. Martino, how are you tonight? I'm not doing that bad, guys. Uh, finally, we're getting some more football back in our lives. Uh, first, we start off with Germany, and hopefully within the coming weeks, we get all of the other top five leagues outside of France that we love so much. So, I mean, there's more positive news going on. You know, I live in the New York area, so Governor Cuomo gave uh, the green light for professional sports to start returning. But uh, obviously, I don't know if you guys really watch that much baseball Hopefully baseball figures their stuff out and we get even more stuff back. But uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, yeah. Yankees or Mets fan? Unfortunately, Mets. Um, <laughs> I, grew, I grew up a Yankees fan. Um, I switched over because of Mike Piazza. Um, my whole family still roots for the Yankees. Uh, all my friends are Yankees fans. I have Mets fans too, but um, I'm not one of those Mets fans that really hates the Yankees. I have a, I have a respect for them. Well, Rob and I could definitely hang with your family. <laughs> We're both Yankee fans, so hundred percent. Yeah. Let's um let's jump into the football, and we got some breaking news today that Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, in training with AC Milan may have torn his Achilles. He's going to have scans done today. And there is potential that this could be career ending, given obviously Zlatan's age, the, the need to rehabilitate and surgically repair this type of injury. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on Zlatan? And is this, you know, finally the, the end all be all for him? A, a guy that came back from a horrendous ACL surgery uh, to basically light up MLS, return to Milan, really started to get Milan going in the right direction once he arrived. But now this is a massive, massive blow, don't you think? I mean, this is just, I like, it's not even surprising in the slightest, right? I, this is kind of another, it feels like every couple of weeks I have a conversation with someone on Mila and I was like, yeah, this pretty much sums up what the past decade for the most part has been like. And this is just kind of another moment. I mean, a conflicting report, I guess you could say, with Anto Vintiello saying it could be his calf. So that, that could be a drastic change from the Achilles, but... Look, 38 years old, you mentioned the torn ACL in his mid to late 30s. I think it was like 35, 36 when it happened. Now, look, I mean, his Achilles at, at 38, like, it sucks. You're right, because he was playing well. He scored in the last game. They did lose in, in that one against Genoa. But, I mean, it's a massive blow for them. They were just still trying to decide if they wanted to bring him back. Again, there's more flux with, with management. No one really knows who's staying, who's coming um and that includes him so i mean now at this point i i mean you don't even know if he's going to play again right but at the end of the day say he does it is a torn achilles it's kind of hard to actually see him just going out just like that right i mean you could you could kind of get the sense that you maybe have the pride to maybe come back from it and then just get in one more match or something professionally maybe it'd be back in sweden but Look, that the Achilles at any point for any player could be a death sentence, nonetheless a 38-year-old. So, I mean, more negative news coming out of that, so praying it's not that. And obviously, uh, Martino, we also had other news uh, coming from Spain about Joao Felix, who, as you know, has also had a bit of an injury pro season despite... Uh, you know, not having the best start at Atletico Madrid, we must admit, at least for the expectation that was placed for him. But, you know, we just saw right here that he was injured in training. And it's possible to sprain knee ligaments. So even for a player like Joao Felix, who came in with so much pressure, you know, a young kid, 20 years old, 
you know, already missed a few games for Atleti because of injury. I think he had a sprained ankle and another leg injury. I mean, this is just not the the start that Joao Felix wanted uh, under Cholo Simeone. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing about him, he's so talented, but taking a kid like that into a very physical side where Diego Simeone really just, he there's a lot of parallels between him and Antonio Conte for a lot of Serie A fans, right? That just the conditioning is so important, just ha- being physically demanding as a coach. And, and, you know, he's a younger kid too, and and his body's not physically there yet. You could clearly see it. Um, and, you know, I kind of wonder if this is a factor into, you know, getting players back into game shape now after having the season play out like it did. You know, this is they they just beat Liverpool and they're going deeper into their season. You just hope this isn't a common theme because Gio Reina as well, another kid um, over here for us Americans. I mean, he it looks like he's a little bit back uh, to 100 percent, but you just hope these aren't recurring issues with lots of other players with the restart and revamping of the season. But I mean, it, it's disappointing so far. He's had his ups and downs, though. I would say at Atletico, there's been moments where you're like, okay, there's the flash of kind of the player that Atletico spent all this money on. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not a Kylian Mbappe, you know, move where it was seamless from Monaco to PSG. Like he's had his struggles right now. And um, you hope he kind of just gets past it and, uh, you know, finally fulfills some more of his potential that everyone sees in him. Um, But as of right now, you know, I mean, look, knee ligaments i mean it just sucks man it's i'm hoping again that that's not the case and joe i'm just looking at it right here um this is per what uh, i think madrid said that he suffered a low-grade medical medial collateral ligament left knee sprain and that it's possible that he'll be out for three four weeks yeah and, you know, his third injury this season and, you know, even then, you know, with the teams coming back into training, obviously, you know, Atletico aren't exactly in the La Liga race itself to win the title, but they're still in the race to try to qualify for the Champions League. They're currently in sixth place, occupying that final Europa League spot. You know, their ambition is still to obviously qualify for the Champions League and, of course, see what happens in the Champions League if it does, if it, um, if it goes on. But, uh Someone for Joe Felix, you know, as Martino said, someone so young to have that kind of physical damage to himself and, and really a, a, a built physical side like um, Cholo Simeone is mm-hmm. implementing. This is not the best way to, to start off your, your season, especially with the pressure that comes out with that price tag. No, and like Martino alluded to, you know, he's had kind of an injury plagued season so far. Um, and maybe it is the rigors of the way Cholo Simeone wants to play that, that we see this now. I didn't see the report of what type of injury. Um, now that you're giving me that, it's a you know a low grade medial collateral ligament sprain. That is two to four weeks. Uh, you you'd want to be cautious bringing somebody back quickly off of an injury like that because you the, the likelihood to re injure it, especially playing this sport, um, is very high. So I would say that that maybe three to four weeks is probably more likely. Um, a grade one sprain is just a minor tear of the ligament. Uh, it's not it's not surgical. I mean, they're going to just can be conservative with it, let him rest, and then he'll get back on the pitch in a couple weeks. So that's 
probably promising news um, in terms of Joao Felix and, and for Atleti. You know, like you had said, they're currently sitting in sixth, but they're only two points away from third. So there's a very, very tight race for those European positions between, um, you know, Sevilla, Sociedad, Getafe, and, uh, and Atleti. So they do want to be in Champions League. Uh, that, you know, they obviously, like, like you guys said, they, you know, beating Liverpool, moving on in the Champions League, they, they want to return to that competition, especially if they don't win it, uh, which is certainly like, you know, not likely, but certainly possible given the strength of the other teams that are still in the competition. So I, I think this is, a, this is a tough, bumpy road for João Felix. He, he gave us so much promise. And when he's seen the pitch, he's been fantastic. You know, when we saw him come into the preseason and start to play for Atleti, he really was, you know, something special. So hopefully, Rob, he does get back on the pitch soon. Um, but I think ultimately Atleti will be conservative with this treatment. They'll probably let him rest. And and given that La Liga is looking to start somewhere around the 11th or 12th, we've already got two weeks that we're going to knock off right there. They'll probably get him into some conservative type of conditioning, and then they'll get him back on the pitch probably a week or two after the season starts. 100%. Now, Martino, obviously, we have to talk about the actual football that's happening. And obviously, we need to go to Germany, where we're really seeing um, a, a different side of the game. Obviously, no fans. Um, you would think that it has been entertaining so far. I mean, you know, there hasn't been any major incidents that we have seen over the first two weeks. But what we do need to talk about is, to, or at least per this recording, is tomorrow's clash uh, at noon. Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich, the top two teams. Both separated by four points, respectively. Bayern on top, Dortmund in second. You know, obviously, were able to to win their first two games. Uh, you know, Dortmund displacing Schalke and then uh, beating uh, Wolfsburg, while Bayern also displacing Union Berlin and also defeating Eintracht Frankfurt. So, all eyes are on that game tomorrow. And and to be fair, I, I think this one could indeed decide the title in itself. Yeah, I mean. It's it's funny how close just all of uh, Bundesliga has been this year, um, especially t- towards the top. Right, we're always just under the assumption if you just go back and look at the books, it's just Bayern every single year. Um, since that one year, Dortmund had that magical you know two to three year stretch um, for them. But look, th- there is a potential here. Um, the thing that's scary is that I was looking back strictly in Bundesliga on the amount of goals that Bayern has scored on Dortmund. There has been 20 goals in the past five games that they scored on them. And that and that's just like crazy to me because you're averaging four goals a game against your heated rival in the league. And you know what? This is, it's, this is where it gets unprecedented territories, right? We're coming back off this long break for, for everybody. They've played... You know, two match weeks already, but now it's a shortened week. There's more substitutes with the five a game. Dortmund's had a little bit of injury issues. We know that Royce uh, is going to be out again for this. Mario Goetz is on his way out. Um, Gio Reina, another guy who hasn't been fully fit for this. Jaden Sancho, same as that. Um, Erling Holland didn't even get a break in, in their last match as well for them. He played the full 90 again. You kind of wonder when it actually catches up to a younger Dortmund side, right? And does it does this where is this where a spot where Bayern finally pulls away? Do they benefit from having a deeper roster? Do they benefit from having been in these situations where these players have played so many games this deep into a season? Um, and for me, I think that all matters here. But the important thing for Dortmund is that they're at home in this situation. So they haven't lost at home this season. 
So that's another plus for them. I mean, this is this is so perfect, and this is what I love to try and get all of our, you know, because we're Americans, right? So it's fun to always try and get our friends into the sport that don't really follow it as well. So this is like the perfect match on a Tuesday during this time of the year when nobody really has anything to do. Perfect time of day. Like, well, I want to see a great game go here. You know, I want to see a classic like 2-1, 2-2 game, you know. Maybe if we get something like 3-2, I want that. It'll be perfect for the sport. It'll be perfect for Bundesliga. And Joe, you had said this beforehand that you're, you said that this game could indeed be an entertaining game. Now, obviously, if our prediction is right, uh, we will see an entertaining game because these are two sides that really like to attack. You might say that Bayern have a bit more quality and more depth uh, than Borussia Dortmund, but nevertheless, you know the way that they have been performing—not just in the last two weeks, but I think all season. Uh, we're in for a really good clash uh, tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's going to be goals in this one. Um, one thing that was concerning, if you look back on the weekend, the you know you and I were both you know watching and and and, t- and chatting about the Bayern Munich match against Eintracht Frankfurt, and the fact that Bayern went up three um, nil and really did it in, in commanding fashion, only to concede two corner uh, corner kick set piece goals uh, to Eintracht to to allow them back in the match. I think is concerning. For, for Bayern Munich, it's concerning because they had trouble breaking down Union Berlin in the first match. Uh, they allowed Eintracht to come back in. These are not quality teams right now. These are teams that are really playing poorly. Now you bring in a Dortmund side that is high-flying, and Dortmund, over the first two matches, have done it two ways. Against Schalke, it took them a little bit of time to get going, but once they got going, they were they were phenomenal. Uh, and then you look at the way they took on um, uh, uh, Wolfsburg on the weekend. Uh, Wolfsburg actually got into that match, even though uh, Dortmund were up 1-0. Uh, you and I were talking about that match, and Dortmund was kind of on the back heels, and Wolfsburg was taking the play to them. The second goal was really against the run of play after Jaden Sancho came into the match. And you, you've seen Borussia Dortmund really start to get that mid-season form. They, they've kind of picked it up a little faster for me, where Bayern have not been as crisp in, in their two matches that they've played. And given the quality of the teams they've played against... I think Dortmund has had the rougher road or the the, the harder path that uh, than than uh, Bayern Munich, and they've done better with it as well. So it's going to be one heck of a match to come up on the weekend for sure. Um, and we'll and we'll, we'll we'll definitely get some predictions of those that a little later on. Uh, uh, actually, Martino, I want to come back to you real quick, and I want to bring it back across the pond to uh, MLS and to the United States. We've talked about so far. Uh, La Liga coming back. We talked about Germany obviously being in the swing of things. There are some reports right now that are saying out there that England is looking to return either June June 19th or June 26th, uh, beginning with Spurs United. Italy is looking somewhere around the middle of the season. But when we look at the leagues that, that many of us follow, uh, MLS really has no plan as of yet. Now, the one plan that's been floated out there is that all the teams play all their matches at Wide World of Sports in Orlando. The NBA is actually considering a similar type of plan of playing at this huge uh, athletic complex in Orlando. I want your thoughts of MLS, especially an MLS side that really we're only a few matches into the season, if you really think about it. Taking their season and moving it to one location, really taking it away from the fans, even though the fans would be behind closed doors probably, but taking it away from the home and, and travel and all that stuff, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I guess it's kind of down to pick your poison, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want do you want to see football in any capacity or do you want to see it in full capacity, like pun intended, going to the games? 
Um, look, I think it all comes down to what is the best case scenario. And we know, too, Florida is known for having some of the better pitches in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're I hate watching this sport on turf. I hate playing it on turf. Any any aspect of this game being played on turf is just absolutely horrendous. And Florida is known for having some of the better grass fields. We know Florida has really been one of the more lenient states, probably the most lenient state, uh, when it comes to bringing in sports and you know just getting back to norm- normalcy. I, you know, I, I think it's not a terrible hypothesis, but I'm not really sure how they plan on doing that when the NBA is the front runner for returning there. I mean, Vegas is kind of looming in the background for the NBA, but the NBA for for a multitude of reasons going to to Disney, you know, with ESPN and the whole TV deal that they have, it it makes sense on a lot of levels. Look, I don't know. MLS has a lot of games to play out, right? And they have to make a decision on how many games are they going to play? What is the real format that they're going to do? Are they able to fit in the playoffs as well? I, I think, Roberto, I discussed this with you as well a few weeks back um, on the State of Play pod. And we were saying, I think I proposed, like, what if they actually finally, finally try to just go to the European model and just, you know, let's play out a, a full season and just award the champion and have no playoffs and just play out whatever games they can. Um, look, again, this is a, it's a, it's a really fascinating decision for all leagues involved. I think MLS is going to do what they can to get in all their games and then figure out in terms of time what they have left to decide for a playoff. Um, maybe they get rid of earlier rounds and they just have less playoff teams this year uh, to try and fit it in as best they can. But look, I mean, there's no correct decision in this matter. Um, I do think we'll see them play before summertime is over. I do think it's going to get back into the swing of things. Um, but I think they're just sitting back and deferring to the other major sports leagues, you know, like the NBA and, and Major League Baseball, although Major League Baseball has totally different issues. Um, I, I don't know. I do, I do think they're going to eventually decide to go within a state or a certain region to finally play their games out because they might not have many options. No, I, I agree with you as well. So before we let you go, uh, where can we find you? Where can we find state of play? Uh, where can we find all that stuff? Um, yeah. So I'm mostly on Twitter tweeting out a bunch of different sports. Uh, I know Joe, you haven't been following me on Twitter that long, but you could probably see that I tweet about, dozens of stuff at, mm. at this point sports wise but i'm on twitter at martino puccio um you can find me on sports grid tv network um my sports gambling well soccer gambling show called the free kick is coming back this week so we really look at um all the top five leagues and and a lot of the odds going into games and stuff like that but we also keep it to general topics um across the sport as well, kind of like we were just discussing today. Um, and the State of Play podcast, you could just find with me, myself, uh, Matt Santangelo, Pet Barisha. That's on um, Apple. That's on Spotify. Um, you could follow that Twitter at State of Play Pod. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, I'm just really just on the Twitter side of things, and you could just download those podcasts uh, over there. I'm going to ask you one more thing before I let you go. Um, by FC Bayern US tweeted out, describe this man in three words. It was Alfonso <laughs> Davies, and you said better than Nesta. That's that's strong, uh, Rob. I don't know if you saw that, but um, I did. 
Is, do you really think Alfonso? From me and from a, and from a no, 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 no. You guys know the joke. I don't know if you saw. Um, I think the Twitter account was EIF Soccer. Um, so this is. I, I mean, I'll try and wrap it up as as fast as I can. So basically, what what he was saying was it was just after the Bayern game, and and Alfonso Davies was just having another one of his great matchups, and one of one of his obviously probably the main best trait that he has is his pace. And basically the account was saying that the most important trait for a defender one-on-one is athleticism. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and then the thread of the tweet went on to say that you ask Messi who he wants to face one-on-one. Is it Alessandro Nesta or is it Alfonso Davies? And he's like, I think he wants to go with, uh, he'd rather face Alessandro Nesta over Davies is what he was alluding to. And mm. everybody lost their mind, rightfully so, because it's <laughs> probably one of the dumbest things I think everybody read, and he was really doubling down on it. And yeah. all the other administ- uh, the admins on the Twitter account, like solely, like just tweeted out his account alone. Like he said this, not us. Like go and roast him. So I was just playing off of the joke because, yeah. look, at the end of the day, like you don't keep your speed forever. Athleticism could really become a crutch for for any athlete in any sport because you can't rely on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we see it with Teo Hernandez for Milan too. His pace is out of this world, but if you can't keep a guy in front of you, like you can't just solely depend on yourself and your pace to go back and get the ball after a man beats you, right? right? Because it's just it's not really great defense. There's a lot of other factors that you need to get in there. But that was just a, really a joke that Alfonso Davies is great for what he is, but no, he's not even he's, he doesn't even come close to Nesta. You but, know, <laughs> and, and it's funny. I, I I didn't mean to take a, a total sideways turn, but it's it's funny that you we discussed it like this because I saw a video this morning of Hector Bellerin just getting completely undressed by Philippe Coutinho. And I, I thought to myself the same thing. It's like, you know, Bellerin's one of the fastest guys out there. And Coutinho just literally in three steps just basically made him fall over. And it's just it's one of those things, like you said, there, there's there's so much more than just the athleticism, um, you know, and, and everyone's got the hot take these days. Right. That's that's what we deal with. It's a hot take world. So. Many of it. Yeah, I mean, look, if if the pace mattered that much, Ignacio Abate would have been, you know, world class player for what <laughs> ten years, right? I mean, yeah. I saw that guy run a straight lateral ninety yards all the time and nothing to show for it. Yeah. So I mean, so yeah, that's all you need to know there. So again, man, thanks, thanks again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and looking forward to have you back real soon, man. All right, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And special thanks again to Martino Puccio for joining us on the show. Rob, uh, one topic that I wanted to discuss before we really go and close out the show is that the news broke this week that La Liga is set to return. Um, it was great news that, that came out. The, the Prime Minister, Pedro Sanchez, gave the green light for them to start up uh, as early as June 8th. Uh, right now, they, uh, Javier Tebas is saying that we're looking at a start of June 11th or June 12th with the Seville Derby, which would be a fantastic way to kick, uh, kick the season back off in Spain. Um, do you think we'll see, because obviously Spain was uh, not as ahead of the curve as Germany in this situation. Uh, do you think that we will see a, a more rigorous testing situation. Do you think that this will signal the starts for other leagues? We're really we're waiting on two now with the Premier League possibly set to start either somewhere between the 19th and the 26th and Italy possibly somewhere after June 15th. 
Um, do you think this would kind of jumpstart that for those two leagues and those two governments to say, hey, are, you know, everything is safe. We, we've had two good results or two weeks of results with the Bundesliga without any risk. Uh, and, and, and as long as we hold to these these criteria that everything will be at least in as safe a manner as possible. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think that's the only thing we can do. I think as long as we're seeing that kind of progress uh, that we're seeing in Germany, that we'll hopefully see in Spain, I think other leagues have to kind of follow suit. Now, obviously, every government and how they're handling this kind of scenario in this whole pandemic uh, is different. So, you know, we don't know what they're thinking and, you know, everyone has their own plans and whatnot. But I think if they're able to find a consistent idea where, you know, they're able to, and we, we, and thankfully we have seen players that are back in training, be it in um, La Liga, uh, Syria, and um, and then the Premier League as well. I think it really will depend um, on what's going to happen because you know it's good to have one example of what we're seeing in the Bundesliga, but if we can get more, I think that's going to be able to be something to side of the opinion, like okay, maybe we do need to start these leagues, mm-hmm. and in a way um, that kind of helps find a bit of consistency into what could be a normal season if we can get it. Um, And obviously you have all the other competitions play out. So yeah, I think that's really what we're at. I think it's, um, I think it's also good that we're going to start with a a big matchup, I think in the Seville Derby, uh, Betis against Sevilla. So yeah, I think this will really be um, a deciding factor. I think if we, if we can get a second um, league to start and they're, are able to to succeed then that plays in well for other leagues to to look at it and like okay as long as we're able to follow the same precautions necessary that are taken in those leagues we, you know we can do the same here and you know have some sort of consistency uh when the season starts Sure. And uh, and of course, like we did with the Bundesliga, we're going to do a preview show or a, a review show um, with the La Liga coming up uh, in the next week or two. As we get closer to kickoff, obviously, the news of Joao Felix uh, picking up a knock uh, in training uh, is concerning. You wonder about these players and, and if you'll see more of them kind of fall by the wayside due to injury, you know, with the start and stop. But hopefully that doesn't happen. And we'll definitely preview the La Liga and review it as we uh, get closer. As we stand right now, two points separate Barca and Real Madrid for the title. And then there are a slew of teams trying to battle for Europa League and Champions League spots. I was I was shocked when we were talking about it that Atleti was sixth. When you said that, I was like, that, nah, you can't be, can't be right. Yeah, they're sixth right now, but they're only one point from third. So that Seville derby against Batiste is going to be massive for Sevilla. They're currently sitting third, 47 points. And, uh, you know, to start out with a massive rivalry game like that, just like we saw in the Riviera derby against uh, Dortmund and Schalke, you know, it, it really kind of punches you back into the season. And I think it's a great way to start the La Liga season to get back to it with uh, with that kind of matchup. So let's... um. Let's talk about some matches of the week coming up, Rob. Uh, we've got some great ones coming up. Uh, first off, of course, is Tuesday afternoon at 1230, the Der Klassiker that we talked about earlier, Dortmund-Bayern uh, Bayern Munich. And we also have another great match, Rob, on Tuesday at 230 with uh, Bayer Leverkusen tasting, uh, taking on Wolfsburg, uh, another Champions League battle there. Leverkusen, with their victory on the weekend, jumping all the way to third place in, uh, in the league. 
And then on Friday, we kick off with Freiburg and Bayer Leverkusen again at 2.30. Again, with Freiburg being such a good defensive team and currently in um, in striking distance of the Europa League spot. It's a massive match for them, and, and Leverkusen obviously rolling as well. Kai Havertz has just been scoring goals for fun and uh, has been a great uh, great watch. So certainly going to be fun to, to keep an eye on that as well. Let's go back to the trivia question, the who am I? I'll give you the two clues again, Rob, and if you want to venture a guess, and then I'll give you the third clue, okay? So the this former player and coach, uh, he is not retired, played for four teams from 1964 to 1980, coached eight teams, two of which were national teams, and one club he coached three different times. The second clue I gave you was, although he coached two national teams, he's never coached his own, although he played 32 matches and scored eight goals for them. Would you care to venture yeah. a guess? I can't because that second clue is the one that's the hardest. And that I'm trying was, to think who would. When I did my research, that was the one I was like, "Wow, really? He never coached them." I was shocked. So, um, but th- I'm. I I guess I could venture. I I don't know if this is true. Mm-hmm. I, I you want me to give a guess? Yeah, go I'll for give it. One. Uh, Johan Cruyff. It is not Johan Cruyff. This is the first time I got you, Rob. So the third coat, the third uh, clue. This stylish coach uh, only made it past the knockout round in 2010 with England. Oh, uh, yeah. Fabio Capella. I was shocked that he didn't coach the Italian national team. I, no, I, I knew that. I knew he didn't do that. But I was like thinking, wait, managerial, who didn't coach. and, and co- for, I was thinking Trapattoni for some reason. Mm. That was like the first person I had in mind because I was like looking at the years. I'm like 64, 80. I'm like, all right, we gotta, it's got to be an older coach. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I was thinking Italian, so maybe that kind of helped in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, because Capello coached England and Russia. Russia. Yeah. Okay. Most recently. On. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. No, no. I know he coached Milan multiple times, too. Three times for Milan. Yep. He, he coached Madrid twice, Real Madrid twice. Um, mm-hmm. He also coached at Roma, Juve, and most recently, up until 2018, uh, Jansung Suning in China. Uh, mm. his, the teams he played for, Spal, Roma, Juve, 165 appearances, uh, 27 goals between 70 and 76, and Milan uh, from 76 to 80. So, uh, started his Excellent youth- question. Yeah, so, next week, uh, I'll find you somebody else that's, uh, that's as intriguing as uh, Fabio Capello, so... Without any <laughs> further uh, items on the docket, my friend, would you like me to hit the closing music? Let's do it. All right, man. Here we go. So for episode 283 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Martino Puccio for joining us on the show. Next week, we're going to have Tom Marshall join us to discuss Liga MX, MLS, and so much more. We'll look back under Classicer and give you an update on when we'll be breaking with a Spanish show. So, for episode 283 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.